Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Welcome, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about the living spaces for your pets. And I know we all love buying those cute cat beds and dog beds, but do we really know the importance of doing that stuff? So we're going to break this down for you and we're going to start talking about why you should have specific spaces for your animals within your home. When we bring an animal into our home, we really need to think about sharing our space with them. If we've already got a crowded home and then we add an animal to it and then we're like, oh, we're just going to shove this bed in this corner or we're going to shove the litter box in whatever space we can possibly find you're not really considering the pet's needs. They need to be able to have their own spaces to feel safe and comfortable and secure. Their home too. So how do we do this? The three areas that we need to consider the most is where are animals going to be sleeping? Where are they going to be eating? And where are they going to go to the bathroom? Because these are the things that they're going to be doing the most of. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some more than others, but yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, like us, they want to be able to have someplace comfortable to sleep. So you don't want to put them in a place where there's going to be people constantly walking by or where there might be no protection from the airflow at all, or maybe no privacy. So these are some of the things to consider. It's best to have them in low, all of these things in low traffic locations. Where they eat, if you don't have it in a low traffic location, well, you can end up kicking their bowl around. They could be getting in the way of you moving around. That is going to be an issue because you could be continually cleaning up sloshed over water puddles and uh, kibble that ends up all over the floor. But <laughs> and that will happen. Oh, <laughs> the yes. kibble will be everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but also, if the if they're in the middle of eating and people are constantly going by, their their eating is going to be disrupted. It's just better for them, for their digestive system. If they have any anxiety levels or anything like that, it's just simpler for them to, and better for them to be able to eat in a place where it's quiet, there's no disruptions, and they can go through their meal in peace. I can also give an example as someone I know that their dog tends to have a lot of anxiety issues. She would not eat unless everything was still in calm. Oh, wow. If you gave her food, which was in the kitchen, and we were sitting in the living room, even if you just moved a little bit, maybe got up to get something from the nearby table, or even just shifting in your seat, she would stop eating and be like, what's going on? What's going on? She just had a lot of issues with any kind of movement. If you have an animal like that, 
then it's a good idea to train them to eat in a location where it's going to be in a quiet area and they're not going to be disrupted by movement that could be happening, even if it might be slight. A cat that I had, he didn't see very well. So any excessive movement stopped him from doing anything. Mm -hmm. You have to consider the animal Mm -hmm. and personality and the issues that an animal has, whether it's because of somewhere they were before you adopted them or whether it's something that happened within the home they're currently living in, they have traumas and issues that need to be dealt with and managed just like we. Mm -hmm. We humans adapt our environments to suit our personality traits and we need to take the animal's personality traits into consideration as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you need to consider whether or not they like to be around people or not. How social are they? You know, there's a lot of cats who don't necessarily like to interact with people a whole lot. They might like to be in the room with their person, but they don't necessarily like being petted and played with and that type of thing. So you need to also consider whether or not they like to burrow and or have lookouts or be in den-like areas. A lot of dogs, their natural instincts of wanting to be in a den So it gives them a feeling of protection, but cats too. It gives them a feeling of security to be able to have most of their body enclosed, but to have the ability to look out. You also need to consider their age, mobility, and any health issues they might have. Oh, yeah. If they're an older animal, they have arthritis, or if they maybe have some kind of a respiratory issue or some kind of thing like going on like that, they're not going to want to have to go long distances to get to their sleeping area, their bathroom area or eating area. Yeah. Sometimes when they get older or if they do develop certain conditions, then you may have to adjust where their sleeping, eating and bathroom areas are in order to accommodate the changes that might occur. I agree. Older animals, they have a hard time holding it. So if you have an older dog, If they don't have a regular routine or place set for them as they get older, then you're going to have accidents. Same with cats. Mm -hmm. So the first area that we want to talk about is their sleeping areas or their areas to relax in. Some different ideas that you could consider depending on what type of home you have. Their bedding, kennels, crates, and if they have an outdoor shelter depending on where you live and what type of environment. All right. Well, let's start with the built-in sleeping areas. Give us some ideas of what we can do to accommodate our animals in our homes. So a lot of these suggestions are going to be for those of you who own your own home and have the ability to do some minor renovations or have the space to be able to consider these options. This first one is one that you could consider if you, even if you are in an apartment and you are renting, but it would still require some creativeness to do a little bit of minor renovation to your furniture. And it's turning cupboards or side coffee tables into a kennel or a sleeping area. There's tables, side tables, coffee tables that you can get that might have um, a storage area underneath and they might just have cupboard doors that would normally close. So you could take those cupboard doors off and turn it into a kennel. Now this would not be, well, you could still add probably like 
a kennel type door if you needed it to be secured. This would just be like a resting place for them. Yeah. So you could choose, you could have the option of whether you add a door or not. This is a great idea because our animals usually like to be in the same room with us, regardless of whether they like to cuddle or not. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> mine are always around everybody. They don't even want to be in a different room. If you're in another room, they have to follow you. <laughs> They'll yeah. be on the other side of the room, but they're in the same room with you. <laughs> so this gives them a very den-like option to be able to be in, and they can come and go as they need, but they're in the room with you. So it gives them a really comfortable place, secure place to be in. Oh, another area that you could consider too for that is a laundry room, because some laundry rooms, depending again on type of home you have also have some built-in cupboards you could potentially turn one of those cupboards into a kennel type mm -hmm. room as well now there's also an option of some homes have stairs where there's drywall and stuff underneath it and it might be possible to open up a space underneath the stairs and create a dog house. I love that. Yes. I love, I've seen some pretty <laughs> handy people out there that have gotten these cute little doggy houses under their stairs. So mm -hmm. cute. Of course, you need to make sure that you know the foundation and all that type of stuff before you start making holes because you don't want the stairs to collapse or anything like that. So <laughs> yeah. And if you rent, make sure you have permission from your landlord. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't just go and cut things in the walls, but it's a great yes. option, especially if you own your home and you have excess space under stairs. Mm -hmm. If you live in a home where you've got uh, an extra spare room and you've got multiple dogs or cats, you could turn that room specifically into their room. So they can have their sleeping area as well as their eating area and maybe even their bathroom area all in that one room. Again, depending on how many animals you have. But yeah, there's a lot of different options for that. You just need to make sure that each animal has its own space in that room so they don't feel crowded or feel like there's competition. If you work from home, you know, again, because our animals like to be with us, you could consider putting a crate or some kind of den area in the office so that it's, it's not in the way of you. It's not going to interfere with you being able to do the work you need to do, but it gives your, your dog or cat a comfortable place to lie in and be with you while you're working at the same time. Yeah, I like that. Currently, I am in my office and both of my cats are in here and we actually have a four foot cage next to my desk that they spend all of their time on. <laughs> I think they're both in the cage right now or on top of the cage right now. They love it because they're here with me every time I'm in my office working and they sleep while I work, they have their space and they're so super comfortable and I'm comfortable having them with me because they do help me mm -hmm. work better. Just an idea. And especially with, <laughs> yeah. And especially with cats, it might help reduce the chances of them going and walking over your keyboard and stuff like that because they're wanting to demand attention from you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Luckily my cat's night my my cat's main bedtime is typically during the hours that I work, which is so convenient. But yeah, it's pretty cool. I got both of them right next to me. They're like within two and a half feet of me and they're sleeping, hanging out with mom. If you have an attic or a basement, 
you could turn it into your pet's special place. So if you have an unfinished basement, you'll need to really think about it. Yeah, we don't want mildewy, dusty, spidery, buggy places for your animals. But maybe if you're creative enough, maybe you can create a section of the basement where it can be nice and cozy in just that one section. That would just require a little bit of thinking on your part to see if that's a, is a possibility. But if you have a finished basement and you spend time down there yourself, then why not consider it as an, another area to create some space for your pet? This one I really kind of liked. There's some homes where they have the stairs and then there's a small space between the stairs and the wall. And it's like maybe about three feet by six to 10 feet in size. It's not a large space to do much with in general, but it's a great space to be able to do something for your pets, create a really nice living place for them. You might not want to have their food there, but if you create a sleeping space, maybe if it's, you have a cat, you could put like the scratching post or maybe a perch or something like that in there. It is large enough to be able to be quite creative for them. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about what am I going to do with this extra space? It doesn't fit any furniture. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you have an idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make it into your animal space, a nice little cozy nook. And if you want to think about what colors to use, consider that pets can't see the same colors that humans do. For dogs, you can consider shades of yellow and blue. They don't see shades of red very well. Cats can see, I guess, a little bit of red, but there's still more yellows and blues. So those are the colors to consider if you're wanting to decorate a little bit, make it a little bit fancier. For cats, you want to provide them an area where they can feel like they can cocoon and still not and still be near you. They love to cocoon. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) They shouldn't be completely hidden away. So it shouldn't be a completely enclosed space, but it should still be able to provide a feeling of safety and comfort. Some good ideas is having like a cave-like area, or maybe you can get boxes and cut some different holes out for them. I think they don't really care what it looks like so much. Uh, So if you don't care, then you can just get some boxes, maybe put them together, give them a little climbing area. You know, you could make it a little bit fun for them. So what do you use for fetting for your kitties? Well, we have a lot of things uh, because my house is their house. We just live here. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but of course, you know, we don't have kids, so it's easy to let them take over the house. We have a multitude of things. We have a couple like actual bed beds that have that faux lamb skin, nice kind of squared, almost like boxes, but cushy. We have that. We have um, little felted caves. We have two cat towers. And so if they want to be kind of up in the tree, quote unquote, to look out, they can just sit up there. We have different levels. So depending on their mood, it could be either a nice little blanket that's on the rug or the cat tower or a box or a bed and the cage. They love their cage still. I put it there when they were little kittens. And I can't bring it down because they love it. So, and all we have up there is on the top shelf. I have a towel that I just wrapped with polar fleece. They absolutely love it up there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a lot to satisfy a cat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They just like things that are soft 
and things that smell like they're people. Something to keep in mind. You don't have to go crazy. Mm -hmm. As long as it's comfortable and clean and with you, they're pretty happy. Mm -hmm. They really are. I mean, I've noticed that with our cats. They do like towels, by the way. Mm -hmm. If I put an old towel on top of uh, one of their newer beds, they'll use the bed more readily than without the towel. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Maybe it is like about the texture that. or something. It's, I, I guess, the terry cloth. I don't know. They just love mm -hmm. the texture of the fabric. And so they right. prefer to sleep on towels, which is mm -hmm. weird. But yeah, it doesn't take much. So there are some things to consider with bedding, though. And you need to consider the temperature of where it is you're living. As well, you need to consider the type of dog you have. If you're in a hot climate, you don't really want to use blankets that are going to retain heat or not breathe very much because that's going to make your animals quite warm. Yeah. If they're hot, they won't use it. Yeah. So if it's a warmer climate, you want to consider looking at materials that are either breathable or maybe have some design to it that have the ability to cool your animal. But you also have to be aware of what the material is made of. You don't want to be using anything that could be toxic for them. Certain materials can give up, give off toxic fumes, mm -hmm. which can cause issues. Whatever bedding you tight you use, it should be removable and washable so that you can keep it clean on a consistent basis. It's better for them, it's better for you, and it's easier for you if you can just throw it in the, the washing machine. Now we've talked about bedding. There's also the consideration of kennels or crates. So we talked about how you could create your own inside of furniture or cupboards, but you can also buy commercial ones as well. Regardless of which way you go, these help to provide a safe, quiet, comfortable space and gives them a sanctuary. If it's in your living room, maybe not as much of a sanctuary because if you have people over, then it doesn't give them a place to go get away. So you want to maybe consider having one in the bedroom or a laundry room or some off place in your home that people are not likely going to go to. If your animal gets overwhelmed when you have company, then they have the option to be able to go to this other kennel crate location to relax for a little while, get away for a little while before they decide to come back and, and join in again. And having them in your house is beneficial to the animal. We have said this in other episodes. We just want to really, I guess, emphasize it a little bit more. Don't think that having a kennel for your dog is mean because it's actually loving. The cats and the dogs love these spaces that are all their own. Caveat to that is to not force them to be in them. So you need to set it up so that they feel like it is a safe place for them to go. If you're using it for punishment, they're not going to want to go in there. Yeah, don't use them for punishment. Let the animals use them as they wish to use them. And then they are going to be okay with having to be in them if you have to, say, leave the house for hours at a time. It's a safe, secure place for them to be. Yeah, every dog owner should have a crate of some sort. And every cat owner should definitely have spaces that the cats can mm -hmm. go. So let's just run down a couple things that they need to know about the sizes of crates. What size should they be? And how do we choose between plastic and metal? Should they have both? I think they should have both. What are your thoughts? I on think that? it could be beneficial to have both options, but I guess it depends on what your purposes are. 
if you are going to have a kettle in the home and you don't plan to move it around anywhere, then the metal ones would probably be just fine. They're not as transportable, but if you're not going to be moving them around, then that won't really be an issue. Yeah. And also there's much more airflow in a metal cage than a plastic one. Plastic can heat up. Yes, it's uh, definitely not as open. They do have holes in them for the animals to be able to look out and some more so than others. But metal is definitely, it's open all the way. So you also need to consider your animal's personality. If they're highly stimulated or highly anxious, then a completely open crate might not be the best choice for them. However, there are covers that you can get to go over them so that you Mm -hmm. can make it more like cave or a den-like situation for them. You also don't want the cages and the crates to be too big. What is the stipulations about what sizes we should choose for our animal? Now, this is going to be mostly the consideration if you're buying a commercial crate. This is a little harder to put into play if you're turning your furniture into a kennel. Okay. They need to be able to stand up. They need to be able to turn around. Those are basically the two main stipulations. If you have a great day and you can't turn your side table into a kennel. (laughs) (laughs) And it should be long enough for them to be able to lie in without their feet hanging out the front or something. (laughs) Yeah. So how long should they be? So the general rule of thumb is generally they should be about two to four inches longer than the body of your pet and two to four inches taller than the pet when they are sitting or standing. Okay. And then wide enough, of course, so that they can turn around easily. If you have puppies, you can have some crates that actually have dividers. So the crate will grow with the animal. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really wise choice because you don't want to put a puppy a Great Dane puppy in a Great Dane size cage. It's just too much. But if a Great Dane puppy has a little, has a his main cage that he can grow into, but there's a divider mm-hmm. that can keep the space a little bit smaller for him, then there's going to be more security for that puppy as it's growing. And then you can just move it as the dog gets bigger. Mm-hmm. And that's only going to be in the metal crates. The plastic ones don't have that option. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. So the benefits and the cons of the plastic ones is that the plastic can provide more more privacy. They're not as open. They're more portable. They're more lightweight. They're easy to clean and they're fairly secure in terms of the latch of the door. It's harder for the animals to open them. They usually have a removable top. So you have the choice of having an open bed for your animal, if that's something that they enjoy. However, they have less airflow. So if you're in a hot climate, or even if it's like a time of year where it gets hot, then the plastic's not going to be a great option for them because they can easily get overheated. But it's still a good option for cooler temperatures because it retains their body heat. Another con Mm -hmm. is that the plastic ones can't fold flat and they can become smelly after a while because the plastic can absorb the odors. The metal, on the other hand, is much more open So this can be good for pets that feel calmer when they're able to see their surroundings, but not so good if they tend to feel anxious in an open space. So again, you need to consider your animal's personality and any issues they might have. Metal is collapsible, so it's good for storage and they have good airflow, so it's good for the warmer temperatures. There are covers that you can use to help to increase privacy, darkness, and reduce the noise levels a little bit if needed. They're easier to escape from. The latches are not so secure. 
and they're much heavier than plastic, so they're harder to transport. And I don't know if they usually have a handle on top of them or not. And because it's metal, they're more likely to rust, especially after washing. So that could happen after a while. In terms of safety, what you want to look for in a kettle is that you want to make sure that there aren't any sharp edges or pokey parts. They should have rounded edges as much as possible. So you just want to make sure that there's nothing that the animal can get injured on and think about different things that they might do, whether they might try to chew on parts of the kennel or try to get their paws in the, the holes and stuff like that. So think about those kind of things and whether you can see if the kennel is safe for that. Okay. So last thing we want to talk about for the first half is the outdoor shelters. Now, most of us hopefully are having their animals in the house, which is beneficial for the animal. They're very social, but some dogs are better outside. What should we make sure that we have in the outdoor shelters? Well, the first thing is that the shelter should be elevated. So you don't want it directly on the ground because if the ground gets cold, I don't know if it's as much of an issue in warmer climates, but even if the ground gets wet, if it maybe gets a lot of rain in that area, then you want to make sure that it's up so that the moisture doesn't come up into the the shelter. And also if it's cold, cold can also come up through the flooring if it's right against the ground. So, So keep it elevated. It doesn't have to be very high, probably even just a couple of inches off the ground, but it should also be insulated. You need to think of it like your own home. If, you know, in hot climates, the homes are designed in a certain way so that it is cooler in hot temperatures. And if it's in a colder climate, there's insulation so the heat can be retained and keep you or keep the animal from freezing when it gets to minus temperatures. Hopefully when it gets to that, unless you live up in the Arctic and you got a bunch of snow dogs, bring them into your house. (laughs) when it gets that cold. Um, So what about the the bedding bedding should be using straw versus hay. Straw is dried out and hollow while hay is able to retain moisture. And so therefore will get mold, moist and moldy, which is going to cause health issues. Plus if it's moist, it's going to retain any coldness that comes in. Mm Mm-hmm. That goes the same with beds too. You don't want to put them in an outdoor enclosure. Unless they're made for it, they're going to absorb that Mm -hmm, and get mm -hmm. wet. And it's going to be cold and moldy and you might have the same issue that you would Yeah, you might be able to still be able to get like a certain type of blanket or something like that that could go on top of the hay that is maybe moisture resistant. Might be a little more comfortable than having to go sleep directly on the hay. But in terms of the heat, you also want to make sure that the shelter is not too big. It's got to be big enough that they can move around in. You'd probably want it a little bit bigger than a a kennel size. So they have a little bit of room to move around in. But you also don't want it to be so big that all of their body heat and the heat that comes in there is going to be lost. And you need to check regularly to make sure that the bedding is dry. Make sure you're looking at it regularly and change it if needed. The entrance Mm -hmm. of the shelter should face in a direction that is going to be the most protected from the elements. If you have a backyard, maybe you could consider having the shelter facing towards a fence 
so that there's enough space in between that they can easily get in and out, but the elements are not going to be able to easily get in. That's a good point. Even if you put it like a little, a flap or something that the animal can move back and forth that will still mm-hmm. protect from that. I mean, at least something is better yeah, than actually nothing. a plastic flap is probably a good option. You could have two, two pieces of plastic flap that join together in the middle and then they can just push through it. Yeah. I like that idea. If you don't have a way to set it up, Mm -hmm. that's something. Don't just leave the door open because the dogs, the dogs Mm -hmm. deserve better. And that goes for outdoor shelters for cats too. I mean, we don't really have many people that build them unless they have a feral colony. Just make sure that this all pertains to cats, outdoor cats too. use straw, keep it protected from the elements, make sure it's insulated, elevated, it's not just a dog world out there right. on the backyard. Mm-hmm. So all of this is, is pretty much universal between mm-hmm. all of your outdoor animals. And at, that goes for like pigs and stuff like that. I mean, you don't want these animals to be so open to the elements that they mm-hmm. are not comfortable. Two things we want to talk about food yeah. and water that comes hand in hand. So what do you have to say about that real quick? Considering size, you also want to be able to have it large enough that you can have their food and water in the shelter. And it's not going to be so close to them that when they move around, they're going to end up knocking the bowls over or stepping in it or something. Consider that there's enough space for that. Because the shelters are not typically heated, it's going to be mostly just the insulation and then the heat from their bodies, keeping it warm. I mean, you could consider heating the shelter if you want to go that route, especially if that's where they're living. If they're going to be spending time out there with their food in the water and it gets cold, make sure that there is water in a bowl that is heated. You don't want the water to freeze at all. It should always be drinkable. There should never be ice that's forming in the water. And you also want to use like a wider based bowl. Check regularly, check their water to make sure that they always have access to their water. And I would think also with food, Mm -hmm. wide base for the food, make sure it's out of their way so you can't kick it over. But you're also going to have to check that because it's an outdoor animal. You want to make sure that there's no other things eating it. Feed them just enough for that moment. Don't leave food down for the day. If you have to feed them multiple little meals throughout the day, just don't overfeed your dog, but you want to make sure that their their food is clean and not spoiled and not being eaten by mm-hmm. insects. And Yeah. So and if your animal animals. is not going to be in the shelter for a period of time, then you might want to consider removing the food and the water until they go back in there again. And another thing to consider too is with the bedding, the blankets is check that and make sure that the shelter is staying clean for them. Yeah, it's going to be, and it should be something that is highly monitored if you have an outdoor shelter for your animal. This is a really important one. And I have a soapbox about this, but I'll try to be kind. (laughs) Bathroom areas. How do we set up the spaces that the animals use relieve them. Oh, this is a tricky topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I think the mindset of a lot of people is they want to have the bathroom area in a place where they don't really have to look at it or deal with it. With cats, I know a lot of people put the litter boxes in the basement. Oh, I don't have to smell it. Ugh. It's out of the way. You know, I'll go and change the litter once a week <laughs> or something like that. And This is likely going to cause a lot of issues. (laughs) 
and disease. Lots of bacteria like to mm-hmm. live in fecal matter. Keep that in mind. Generally, people. cats and dogs like to have a soft substrate to do their business on. So when I say substrate, I'm talking about a texture that is comfortable on their feet. With most cats, they can have preferences on the types of litter they will use. Some cats will refuse to go into certain litter boxes because of the type of litter that's being used. Oh yeah, they will. Yeah. <laughs> I have experience with that. Trying to figure out the right one that they like. And also smell is a big thing. Some some cats don't like these highly scented litters. It's right. too much for their nose. Their nose is like 10,000 times more sensitive than ours. So if you get these litters that have this sense added to it for the humans, the cat right. may not like and it. And they're sensitive to the, the smell of their own business. <laughs> they do not like to go in dirty litter boxes. And if you expect your cat to, to walk in their own filth, To go to the bathroom, you're going to end up eventually having a cat that has what you would consider a behavioral issue and peeing in places that you don't want them to because of your negligence on keeping their Mm -hmm. bathroom clean. They have to walk in their filth. We don't have to walk in our filth. We get to flush it down the toilet. So keep that in mind. And I I, I promise I'll be kind, but they have to walk into their own filth Mm -hmm. to go to the bathroom. Keep that in mind. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) You may also encounter the odd cat where they don't like to have anything in the litter box. There has been cases of where they just want it to be empty. (laughs) Really? I haven't had that. I've always had diggers, so they love to dig. And then I have a beach outside the litter box. (laughs) Well, he actually, (laughs) you just reminded me. We're going into the bathroom (laughs) talk here, but (laughs) my Maisie, she's so funny when she pees, she'll just, she'll dig and she'll pee in the the litter. But when she wants to do her number two business, her little poops, she literally will dig everything away from the bottom of the litter pan. And she has to go to the bathroom on the plastic. I always know when she's going number two, because I hear (laughs) dink, dink. And then she covers it all up. It's the weirdest thing, but I have weird cats. If you listen to the show long enough, you know my cats are really weird. But <laughs> so I guess when she poops, she doesn't like to have any substrate mm-hmm. underneath it. They're very fastidious. Yes. We've used that word before. <laughs> I like that word. They're very fastidious. Yes. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Gotta love them for it though. So the thing is, is you need to learn what your cat's preferences are. You may end up having to try different types of litters. You might have to try different types of litter boxes because you can get the closed litter boxes and the open litter boxes. Some cats don't want to go out in the open. They want to have more privacy. Others hate being in these enclosed litter boxes. If you have multiple levels in your home or if you've got multiple cats, then you also need to consider the number of litter boxes that are in the home and where they're located. Yeah, I think the rule of thumb is one extra box per number of cats. So if you have three cats, have four litter boxes. Yes. In different places of the home. Think about it this way, okay? Some people, like Miranda had mentioned, puts the litter box in the basement or at the farthest reach of their home or in the garage so they don't see it or smell it. All right, now take the size of the animal and the size of your home. Would you, if you were that size, would you want to travel the entire length of a home to go use the bathroom 
Or do you try to buy homes that have multiple bathrooms so you don't have to go very far to Mm -hmm. use the bathroom? Sometimes animals can't hold it. They get distracted, they're playing, and they can't hold it. And then you ask them to walk a quarter of a mile, basically, to go Mm -hmm. use the bathroom. And then you wonder why they're pooping and peeing in a place that you don't want them to always have multiple places where they can go to the bathroom and make sure they don't have to travel Mm -hmm. far to get there. Think about it in your human perspective. Want to have a house with multiple bathrooms mm-hmm. so you don't have to travel? Cats the same way. Uh, no, that's Sorry. good. <laughs> <laughs> just like... It should be a quiet place. Make sure that's not in high traffic areas. I have an experience. I'm just going to briefly tell you. I re-rescued a cat already in kidney failure. And the absolute primary reason why the cat was in kidney failure is because the person did not put the litter box in a quiet place and the cat had vision issues and didn't want to go to the bathroom in a litter box that was so busy if he was in the litter box we wouldn't even walk Mm -hmm. in the room so he had the quiet time Mm -hmm. to go to the bathroom So make sure the litter boxes are readily available, but also in a quieter place where there's not a lot of traffic. Yeah. So make sure it's still in its place, private enough, but is also in a place that you go often enough so that you can make sure you're checking the litter box. It's a good idea to check it on a daily basis. Depending on the litter you use, maybe the litter will absorb some of the odors, but at least clean the poop out every day so that they don't have to step in that. And if you use the clumping litter, then take the clumps out. Probably a good idea to change the litter every couple of days. Yeah. Please don't make your cat walk in its own filth to go use the bathroom. And don't use air fresheners to try to cover up the odors. It's not going to make your cats want to use the area anymore. It only makes it better for you. It doesn't make it better for them. Just keep Mm -hmm. it clean. And you know what? A clean litter doesn't smell that much. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I will get off my soapbox because I have a lot of opinions (laughs) about this. So let's go to dogs because dogs sometimes are a little bit easier because we take them outside to go to the bathroom unless you have a smaller dog and you live in an apartment. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about dogs. Since you brought up dogs who do go into the bathroom, I just want to bring up those kind of mats that you can use inside on the floor. These can be a really great option. If you're not going to be able to take your dog out on a regular basis and you can train them to use it properly. I know of a dog who doesn't really know where her back end is. (laughs) And so she partially goes onto the mat. She's on there, (laughs) but it. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) I I, I don't know. You know, some cats are like that too. And they just, they miss the box. It's not that they're being bad. They just miss the box because the box might be too small. Thank you for your full reminders today. (laughs) Make sure your litter box is large enough. Don't get tiny little boxes and expect cats to be totally clean and be able to pee in two inches of space. Get a box that's Mm -hmm. big enough. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Now with dogs that we're training to go outside, I think a lot of people typically, they just open up the door to the backyard and Just let the dog go wherever it's going to go. But you might have noticed that where the dogs go pee, you're going to end up having yellow patches all over the place. Plus, you're going to have poop all over that is going to have to be picked up too. This can be a health issue if you happen to, one, miss picking up any poop 
or if the poop is a little bit softer, you can still end up having remnants of it sticking to the grass or gravel or whatever it is that you might have in the backyard. If you go into the backyard in your bare feet, or if you've got children who are playing in the backyard, then they can get exposed to the bacteria that is in the feces or in the urine. There's a lot of zoonotic illnesses, and zoonotic illnesses are those that can be transmitted between humans and animals. And don't expect the rain to wash it away because it's still going to be in the soil. Mm -hmm. Clean up after your pet, even in your yes. own yard. So what you can do is instead of just letting them have the run of the whole yard, you can set up a run that is in a specific part of the yard. Or you can train them to use a specific area, even if it's not enclosed. Maybe the far end of the backyard in one corner, perhaps. Yeah, not underneath the yes. window. Because <laughs> <laughs> then you're still going to have those bells in the house. <laughs> but also don't have that spot like a quarter of a mile down the backyard. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have to be reasonable, but, uh, you know, a place where they're comfortable, where they're secure, mm -hmm. where they can do their business and still play and be near their mm -hmm. people. And some of you may live in colder climates that you let them out. They don't want to go anywhere. They don't, <laughs> they don't like the snow. They don't like the, the cold on their feet. So you don't want to have to carry them all the way to the other side of the yard to do their business. So you might need to look for something that's a little bit closer to the home. You could create like a little pathway that is kept clear for them to walk on. You need to consider, again, the substrate. So if you train them to go into a certain area and that area is grassy, again, the grass is going to all turn yellow eventually and die. If the grass isn't replanted, it's going to probably eventually turn muddy. Ooh, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I just have the vision in my head. Yeah, that would be a really messy backyard. However, if it is a muddy area and it happens to rain or something, then you're going to end up having muddy feet every time they go out to go to the bathroom the well, oh, on those yeah. wet days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we don't want that because, again, the rain does not wash yes. it away. <laughs> there's a lot of different options to consider, and there's probably pros and cons to each of them. Even if you consider something like gravel or pebbles or something like that, that's going to make it harder to, to clean up the, the poop. Mm -hmm. And there's artificial grass you could consider. There's enclosed runs that you could look at. You can train dogs to go on cement as well. That is another option. So there's a lot of different options. So you just need to look to see what's best for you, best for your animal and what's going to work for your budget as well. Yeah. And do your research. Yes. Always do your research. And the last thing to consider for particularly if they're going to be urinating. You don't want them to be going in a place that is near the home where there is a slope towards the foundation of the home because then the urine's going to be heading down towards that foundation and you could end up having a lot of stinky issues. So the next section we want to talk about is the feeding and watering area for your pets. We've touched on it a little bit. We mentioned that this area should be in a low traffic area so that their eating doesn't get disturbed and the dishes don't end up getting kicked. Did you know that cats have very, very sensitive whiskers and that if they have to use a bowl where their whiskers are having to go into the bowl in order to get their food, that this can be a huge discomfort for them. I've had cats my whole life. 
I am like the cat lady. I just found out about whisker fatigue. I never even knew it existed. When I heard about it, I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And I immediately switched out the bowls so my cats wouldn't have whisker fatigue. What are some of the things that we can do? I know what I did, but do you have any tips? Well, the main recommendation is to use dishes that they're low in height, but are also wide. So the edges of the bowl is not going to touch the whiskers when they go to eat the food. That's the main thing. This isn't so much for the whiskers, but you also want to use bowls that have traction. So they've got some grip on the bottom. So they're not going to slide around on the floor, but also have wider bases to prevent the bowls from tipping because some animals like to play with their food or do different, different weird things with their, their food and their water. I splash, splash around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. 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 I've seen it all. It's crazy, but I've seen it all. <laughs> so this at least helps prevent with tipping. I mean, if they like to splash around in the water, you're still going to end up having some water to clean up. Just not quite as much. <laughs> or at least you would think. My cats will actually dig at the water bowl. Now, I think there is a reason for that. They always put their paws in the water first mm. and dig at it. Both dogs and cats, their vision's not very good up close. So I'm thinking that maybe they do that so they can figure out the level mm. of the water, like where the that level is. But then they have fun with it mm -hmm. after that. And then they'll like, scoop the water in their paw and lick it off their paw once they figure out where the level is your cats i'm telling you but i've had multiple cats that have done that so it's not just my two back to the whisker fatigue my kibble bowls are a little bit deeper than my wet food bowls and my cats will regularly scoop their food out and put it on the floor and then eat it because it's easier i i believe it's easier on their whiskers this is something to keep in mind. Don't get really deep bowls. What about the storage of the food? If they have the ability to access the food, they're probably going to go for it. Especially if you've got it, a bag of kibble that is just in the bag, they're going to smell it. And chances are they're going to try to create a hole or get into the bag somehow to try to get to the food. So you want to make sure that they're eating a good amount for them. So you don't want them to get to the food whenever they want or end up ripping a big hole in the bag and having it everywhere because then you're contaminating the food as well. But when it's kept in just the bag and, and not in a storage container, then it's more exposed to the air and is going to likely go rancid more quickly. So it's better to put them into a container of some sort that is able to seal the air out. And if possible, put it in a drawer or a pantry so that it's out of the way. There's a couple of things that uh, we didn't talk about yet. In living areas, we talked about a couple of things under the stairs, little, you know, making little cubbies and whatever. But there are other things that you can do with cats. We can have carpeted shelving and perches. I know a lot of people that actually build shelves on their wall for the cats to kind of rest on. It's specifically for cats. That's really good. And you want them at different levels because mm -hmm. cats are climbers. And if you don't have spaces for your cats to climb, that actually causes anxiety mm -hmm. and stress for them because they can't get up to higher locations to observe. So when you're thinking about creating a space for your animals or integrating their space into your space, think about different multiple levels, mm -hmm. especially with cats. 
varying heights is really great if you can create like little highways of where they can just kind of walk around the room without having to walk in the middle of the room they like that it's fun because cats are very territorial and so they naturally will walk the perimeters of, of rooms to observe everything keep in mind the traits of the actual breed now when you have these creative places for your animals to be integrated into your home you actually also create spaces where a multiple cat household you will have less issues because every cat mm -hmm. will choose their spot i know my two frankie likes one place macy likes other place they don't like it when they, they steal each other's space having multiple spaces where they are both comfortable is really helpful in our household so i know it will be helpful in yours we also have multiple cat trees that will save your furniture that will give them perches. They're going to scratch, provide the space for them to do it because that actually relieves stress. It helps them feel more comfortable in their home because it leaves their scent around. Um, and it's also healthier for their paws mm -hmm. and their nails. As far as cat perches, we have a big one. We also had a space on my dining room table that my cat loved and we don't have big dinners. We figured, you know what? Let's make it more cat-like. So we got a cat tower that matched the table in color and we put that on the end of the table and it's our favorite <laughs> spot in the house. There's just, there's lots of creative mm -hmm. things that you can do. Cat condos are yep. good, right? They like to have yep. their little cubbies. My cat actually uses their crate as a mm -hmm. cat condo. <laughs> I have them stacked on each other, all secured. And so they have two little levels they can go into. And we also provided stairs for them. So their big cat tower, when they were little, they needed stairs to get up to it. They, we put the stairs that we had for our elderly cat next to it. And they still, to this day, at two years old, <laughs> use the stairs to get onto the cat tower. <laughs> Another thing to climb. So, I know it's just another thing to climb. Um, what I'm, basically what I'm saying is there's just lots of creative <laughs> things that you can do with your cats so they feel comfortable in their space. And integrating their space into your space is a way for you to live mm -hmm. harmoniously. Now, there's a couple other living space options. Now, I don't know if you have any other comments about the cats. I just figured yeah. I'd go through it really quick. I was just going to say that with these different cat trees, shelving super highways condos all of these different things is that i like the other things you can go from very basic to more fancy there's a lot of very fancy stuff out there that i've seen images of if you want to get really creative and if you've got the budget for it if you've got the ability to build stuff yourself it's pretty i think fairly simple to be able to create a basic cat tree cat condo or whatever as well you can definitely build one. I mean, heck, before I got the cat tower for the dining room table, it was just a big box in a suitcase. That's all it was. I mean, literally, and it was their favorite spot. Now we have something that looks nicer for the humans, <laughs> but <laughs> they're not picky. They just want to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. That's it. They just need yes. their space. So there's a couple other things that I think are pretty neat that we should just kind of run through. So give us a rundown of other living space options. Some of these options are to make it easier for you. So you might want to consider using paint on the walls that is safe and easy to maintain that maybe doesn't get easily scratched and is not toxic. And, you know, if they get mud on the walls because they've come in and they're dirty, then it's easy to wipe off. If you've got the space and the budget for it, 
maybe you could consider building a dog shower right inside one of the entrances to your home instead of having to have your dirty dog traipsing all the way through to the bathroom to get cleaned. So it'll save you a little bit of work of having to clean the rest of your home on the way there. This also would make it easier for the dog to get in and out of the bathtub. I mean, if it's a small dog, obviously you can lift Mm -hmm. them up and put them in there, but a larger dog, that's a little harder to do. You could also consider a mudroom. I've never heard of a mudroom before, but I guess it's common in some places. Yeah, a lot of the the newer home constructions in the U.S. have mudrooms. Mudroom is basically the back of the house. A lot of times attached to the kitchen. Laundry can be there, but you hang your coats, your boots, any of your outdoor equipment. So you just come in there and then you can clean yourself off so you don't traipse all the Mm -hmm. stuff into the house. So there's that option, but there is also the option if you wanted to make it a little fancier, you could create a space in the mudroom that is their space where they can just have a a place that they can lie down and it's a quiet area for them. Mm -hmm. Again, if you've got the the space, you could consider creating a designated play space for them and train them that this is their area to play in. You know, a lot like you would have a playroom for a child, you know, and they learn that that is where they play with their toys. You do the same thing with your your dogs and your cats. The thing with the toys is that you want to make sure that the toys are going to be stored out of the way. Your, your animals should not have free access to toys. And I know that that's probably not what a lot of people believe, but there's a lot of toys that can have issues and they really shouldn't be played with unsupervised. There's a lot that are fairly durable and safe. But no toy is 100% safe and durable. And you have to monitor your toys. I know dogs, it's more of an issue because they chew and chew and chew and destroy yeah. their toys a lot. But even your cat's toys, if you see them falling apart, toss them. You know, cats are a little bit different than dogs. I get that. We have a space. We just put all the toys in one little space and they, they actually will just grab a toy and go and play. But what I do is I make sure I inspect their toys. For dog owners especially, inspect your dog's Mm -hmm. toys. If there's anything with the toy that can cause an issue, toss it. They're replaceable. Whether you put them in a toy box that they can't get access to or you have them in the house. I know a lot of people have a lot of different takes on this. But I think the main thing is to monitor the quality of the toys. Make sure that they are continually safe and toss out the ones that start to be an yes. issue. I don't care if it's your your dog or your cat's favorite toy, toss it. Their health is more mm-hmm. important than their love. And of particularly with dogs though, to consider their personality because some dogs are quote unquote destroyers. They don't just play with their toys, they destroy them. So, <laughs> so though, mm-hmm. if you have that type of dog, that type of dog, you do not want to leave unsupervised. They could end up swallowing pieces and whatnot. So be aware of that. Also, if you have tennis balls, if the tennis ball gets broken open, the inside of the tennis ball is very toxic to dogs. The next thing is to make sure you're placing anything breakable out of reach of your pet. Things that can get knocked over easily with a dog's tail or with your cats jumping up on things. So if you think that you're going to stop your cats from jumping up on those areas, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Because as soon as you might be able to stop them when you're at home, but as soon as you're not home, yeah. I mean, you can train to them a to a point, but once they are unsupervised, they will do whatever they feel yes. that they want to do, and it's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's just their nature, so you just have to make arrangements mm-hmm. for that. So we have the the last two topics. We have beds and flooring. Mm-hmm. So give us a, a quick little rundown on what you found. If you have a pet that sleeps on your bed, and I know a lot of you like to have your, your pet sleep with you, there's a high risk that they may end up having an accident or possibly vomiting on your bed. Blankets and that and sheets are fairly easy to wash if that happens. But if it actually does go further, your mattress is not going to be so easy to clean. So you can help protect that by find, getting a pad that you can put on top of the mattress. Mattress pads are washable. Mm-hmm. The coverings that you use, you want to make sure that they're also easily washable that you can toss into the washing machine whenever it's needed. They should be comfortable for your animals. Just yeah, stay away from suede duvets. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the last thing we wanted to mention is you might want to consider bare floors over carpeting because carpet can absorb odors. They can, it can stain easily and it's harder to clean. These are all just different options that could potentially make your life a little bit easier. You know, or you can just be like me. It's the cat's house and we just live here. So (laughs) we just keep it clean. We're their slaves. We keep it clean and tidy for them and they get to enjoy the space however they want to enjoy the space. So it's fine. You got to do what you got to do. Hopefully this helps you create spaces for our animals. We want the animals to be comfortable and sometimes their comfort is not your comfort. So keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Just pay attention to your animal, the personalities, their health issues. Don't have them walk a quarter of a mile just to go to the bathroom. Don't have them walk in their own filth. Don't leave them wondering about the safety of their home. That's my final thought. (laughs) I'm starting to have these final thoughts at the end (laughs) of each show. I'm okay with it. (laughs) I hope you are too. But... All in all, it's about the animal. It's not about you. And if you are going to take on the responsibility of having an animal in your home, you cannot think in with a human mind. You have to integrate your human mind with a pet mind to really find the best comfortable space and experience for both of you. So any last minute thoughts before we say good night? <laughs> well, just another invitation to come join our the Animal Files community on Facebook and engage with us, ask your questions, share your stories and experiences and get access to some freebies and resources and stuff like that. So we'd love to see you there. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.